Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca. And I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review the Bengals' playoff chances, that magical win over the Minnesota Vikings, and the upcoming game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, it's Steelers week. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Hey, Cincinnati Bengals fans. I would like to introduce to you the one and only Frank LaPlaca. So like a lot of you out there, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals lifer. So I'm allowed to say this. Isn't Bengals football the greatest thing in the world? This last game was absolutely thrilling. So many moments where you had to hold your breath. So many plays had to go right to keep us in the playoff chase. Eight and six? Yeah, eight and six. All right, so if you've been listening to the show, you know what I've been saying about T. Higgins. You have to keep this player on the roster. It's a totally different team without him. Look at this game. He made a catch that saved our season. He made a catch that will go down in history. He took the lead and dominated the game with Jamar Chase out of the lineup. So imagine, all right, yeah, we're going to let Higgins go. We're going to get a a first-round pick for him, and who knows if that guy's going to pan out. And then what happens if Chase goes down next year? You don't have a number one. Higgins is a one. Do whatever you can to keep this man in the building. It's going to cost a little bit extra. You're going to have to sacrifice at other positions. But do not let him leave. He is the key to our success. You have Burrow, you have Chase, and you have Higgins. That trio, you keep them together, and you're going to be in contention every year for another decade. I just can't get over that catch. It's not something that I've ever seen before. Have you ever seen a receiver high point the ball probably at 11 plus feet on his way down around his back, spinning around and swinging the ball over the pylon? The spin and you're in is what I'm going to call it. Browning just chucked it up. I mean, Browning was under heavy pressure. It was desperation mode. I mean, he kept it in bounds. He kept it a playable ball. So it was a great play by him as well. But in all reality, he just tossed that one up and said, T, go win this game for us. And that's exactly what T. Higgins did. Do not let this man leave the building. You heard it here first. No draft pick, no saving salary cap. None of that matters. When you have a magical player like this, remember Super Bowl MVP, if we would have won that game, 
just a continuously great career since he stepped into the building. Those players do not come around often. You have one. Do not let him go. Do not listen to the fans that are like, we can't keep all of them. I'm telling you, find a way, Mr. Tobin, to keep all of them. All right, so if you guys are ready for your weekly calculus class, we're going to talk about the Bengals' playoff picture. So right now we're the sixth seed, and I was always going off that after the head-to-head, if it was just two teams, it's head-to-head. If there's more than two teams, I thought it was conference record that prevailed. But in all reality, if there are a bunch of teams tied and one team is undefeated in head-to-head against all of those teams, that trumps the conference record. So although we have those six losses which hang around our neck like an albatross, there is a way around this. So for instance, if the Bengals were to be tied with the Colts and the Bills and the Jaguars, just say that was all of us were tied for that wild card position, we would get into the playoffs because we beat them all head to head. We have an undefeated record against those teams. So with that said, there's a lot that goes into what's going on right now, and it's almost like just kind of wait another week before we really analyze it. But I can't help myself because the playoffs are so important. We're on the cusp of them. Our season has been saved by Jake Browning and the play of this roster. So really, the best scenario right now is if the Texans win the South because we have the tiebreaker over the Jags and the Colts, and the Texans have the tiebreaker over us. Man, this is sounding so complicated already. But, you know, if the Texans lose, we're still a game ahead of them. The goal is we can't tie the Texans and we can't have the Broncos tied with us because they will knock out that undefeated rule that I just mentioned. It would go to conference records and then we would lose that because we have six losses. The best route is to just win out, obviously, and then you're going to the playoffs. But if we end up dropping a game, we need to stay tied with the teams that we beat and The Texans and the Broncos are the spoilers for us. Just remember that. All right, so we're talking about playoffs and where we want to go this year. And really, we I was talking in the last episode about injuries, how we haven't really been hit by too many. And when you think about it right now, our three best players are hurt. Burrow out for the year. Reader out for the year with that knee quad. It just looked ugly. I saw it, that non-contact you know, your, your foot hits the turf and your leg buckles. It was it was horrible. So, I mean, Burrow, Reader, and now Chase with the shoulder. I don't know. They're saying that he's day-to-day. It doesn't look like he's going to play against Pittsburgh, but I'm not in that locker room, so I don't know. But, man, that's a rough hand to be dealt this late in the middle of a huge playoff crunch. Burrow, Chase, and Reader. But you have guys like Browning stepping up. You have Higgins who stepped up for Chase this game. You had Zach Carter and Tupo stepping up for Reader in this game. You know, whether it's sustainable or not, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope so. But, you know, every team is dealing with injuries. We're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep believing. And DJ Ivy with that knee injury. Again, that non-contact, stopping your motion, going full speed, and the knee buckling. It, it, I really felt bad for him because he was starting to turn it around. It looked like the season was starting to be on the rise for him. The light was coming on. He played some snaps from scrimmage and was successful. Did some special team stuff. And you saw, I mean, I hate to say it, but he was in tears because he realized, you know, I'm a seventh round pick. Nothing is given to me. This is my everything right now. And now it's in jeopardy. So my thoughts and words go out to DJ Ivy, And I understand why you were on the cart. You covered your face. 
and you know you went out like a champ so hopefully we'll be seeing you next year it's probably not going to be in the beginning of the year but hopefully in the middle of the season next year you bounce back and continue your NFL career and guys it's really tough when you think about it being a seventh round pick fighting for your NFL life on a daily basis and now you're dealt this hand where you have to rehab and get yourself back to normal it's not even about your performance anymore it's if you can stay healthy Jake Browning, best backup quarterback in the league. We're going to talk about what he did this game in a little bit. And I looked it up. He is an exclusive rights-free agent, which means he is a Bengal next year. All they have to do is extend him a qualifying offer. And a qualifying offer is league minimum. Kind of not fair for a guy who's performing this well. But regardless, we'll be able to keep him in the building, even by just offering him the league minimum. I think we're going to go a step beyond that and give him a nice contract, try to keep him around for a couple years. But again, nice to know that we have a quality backup for Joe Burrow, and he's not going anywhere, at least for next year. All right, let's move on to some observations from the game. 27-24, Cincinnati Bengals win at home, overtime. Extra Bengals football twice in the last three weeks. Like I told you, if these games went on for nine hours, I wouldn't care. And if you think about the two overtime games... We basically got another half of a Bengal game for free there. Bring it on. I can't get enough of this. Overtime is absolutely thrilling and also breathtaking and also nerve-wracking. But there we were, winning our second overtime game in three weeks and a long Bengals football game, and I will take that all day long. How much tension did you have down seven on the last drive of regulation? I mean, there were a lot of tension moments. What about even after we scored the tying TD even the extra point. Evan McPherson, we know he he hits everything. But I was like, man, just don't miss this right now. Because everything we're doing right now, it feels like the playoffs are riding on it. What about the third and fourth and inches stops in our territory in overtime? Just every play, I, I can't even describe it. I was just in knots over it. And I love it. It's so thrilling and exciting This is exactly what I'm looking for when I watch a game. You know, all right, what if your team blows someone out 37-3? Great, we have a win in the books. It's not nearly as exciting as something like this. I would rather take a game like this where you're just in knots through the whole thing as opposed to, well, you know, by the beginning of the third quarter, game over. Every play of the overtime last drive was crucial. You were like, you know what, if we don't get this, we're either going to tie or lose, and neither one of them is good. So you have all these catches. You have your chase catch. You have your Boyd catch. Just everything that led up to it. Even the field goal at the end. What was it, a 29-yarder? or I don't know. It was something like that. It was a short field goal. Even that, you were just like, please, please make this. Please make this. And just everything turned out right. Pretty amazing moment. Pretty amazing game. I can't get enough of Bengals football. I wish it was year-round. Give credit to that Bengals crowd, all the people that attended. They've been so passionate all year. We're really turning it into a home field advantage. And I like what they're doing with Chase Brown. So if you think about this game, Mixon had 13 touches. Brown had 10. And they're calling a lot of passes to Chase Brown out of the backfield for good reason. But now you're getting a chance to decrease Mixon's workload without affecting productivity. And that will extend his career. So I'm hoping that Joe Mixon accepts that like that and says it is a good thing to be running back by committee than just being the guy and then being out of the league in two years. All right, so the trick play on the opening drive, Coach Taylor 
Coach Taylor, I know you listen to the show. I know your people listen to the show. No mas. It's fun when you draw it up on the chalkboard. It's fun when you do it in practice and it works. Let's not have anyone aside from the quarterback throw the ball because it backfired on us a couple weeks in a row. And especially this week. I mean, we were driving downfield. Everything was going right. And it's a third and one. I could have thought of 12 different plays to run in that situation. We try a crazy trick play. And in reality, if you look at the film from it, Higgins is the only guy out in the route. So in addition to the trick play, you gave yourself one option. The two receivers on the other side just kind of run stops and are out of the play. And it's really just can Tanner Hudson hit T. Higgins in the end zone. Higgins was double covered. The play got blown up. And as I said at the top of the show, I thought that Tupo and Carter did a very good job in there. Hill is always a monster. But the run defense did struggle without Reader. I mean, we turned Ty Chandler into a star. He had 132 yards on the on the ground. And the Steelers are going to be looking at that, and they're going to be attacking the same spots. So it's going to be a big week for those backup defensive tackles. And losing Reader is just a massive, massive loss. I'm not saying that we can't overcome it, but it's pretty unfortunate for us. And Justin Jefferson is great. I don't get to see him on a weekly basis, and just seeing him in this game... He is definitely one of the top three receivers in the game, but I'll still take Jamar Chase over him. And which Hill has the better hands? B.J. Hill with these two miracle interceptions the last two weeks. Dax Hill dropped another one this game. He's playing well this year, but I know we had the infamous ball go through his hands for a touchdown a couple weeks back. And then this week he has what very well could have been a pick six, and it goes through his hands. Dax, just get on the jugs machine. I am thrilled by the way you're playing. No complaints. Just spend a little more time on the jugs machine because you can light it up. You'll, you're will you going to make more money if you do. If you get on the jugs machine and you're able to haul in these catches and have these huge interceptions and pick sixes, it will translate to your wallet. So, Dax, if you're listening or your people are listening, I would say that's my only advice to you because I think the rest of your game has been very solid and you've been the biggest surprise on the roster this year, you and Tanner Hudson. And the deep ball to Charlie Jones, I thought it was catchable. Sometimes they say run through. Sometimes they say dive. I thought maybe you dive in that instance to catch that ball. Was it perfectly on target? No. Was he wide open and did his job perfectly? Yes but I'd love to see that ball be caught. And it's just that that burns when it it goes off your fingertips on a deep ball, game-breaking ball, almost career path-changing pass there. Other observations, we had 101 yards at the half. We were down 7-3. We end up with almost 400 yards and score 21 fourth-quarter points. That's a team that plays well under pressure. That's a team that plays well when it counts. And that's those second-half adjustments that we always talk about. And this team and this coaching staff is phenomenal at that. And the Hendrickson offsides play. Now again, I'm never going to blame the refs for a win or for a loss, even though I hate Ron Torbert. That really wasn't an offsides. But to the naked eye, it looked like it. He got off the ball so quickly, it looked like he was offsides because he's moving before pretty much anyone else except the center I don't know, I didn't break down the play frame by frame, but I did watch it a couple times, and I was like, you know what, I think he he jumped the line at the proper time. 
It's just he almost did it too well. So to the naked eye, yeah, anyone would throw the flag. In real time, I was like, oh, that's a penalty. What are you doing? When you watch it again, maybe not so much. Then another piece of strategic advice. I would have left Jamar Chase in as a decoy. I would have put put him back from the line, not had him dead up on the line so he can get chucked and have to battle with people with a bad shoulder. But I would have kept him like in the slot or set back a yard or two and just let him go deep every play and, and run two guys out of the play. You know, as opposed to just putting him on the bench or in, in overtime him out with a hoodie on. I don't think that was a good idea in, in any capacity. Keep him dressed. If he can't go out there, just keep him dressed with the with the threat of him going out there. But like I said, I would have used him as a decoy just a little bit more than, than what they did because he's always going to attract attention. They didn't know how hurt he was. They, meaning the Vikings. Joe Burrow, class act, lending your luxury box to the Brownings. Just a total cool move, and they got to see their guy be a hero yet again. I mean, Burrow, you're just doing all the right things, even when you're not in the lineup, and I just can't wait to have you back. All right, so what are the main reasons why we won this game? The amazing catch by Higgins has to be number one. Number two, maybe in no specific order, but I mean, Browning and his effort was phenomenal. Just showing that he can play in this league, big situations, you know, making or not making the playoffs looming. So Browning is right there as a reason why we won. The team in general just never losing its poise or its hope and playing hard, even down 17-3. to Credit to the roster, credit to the coaching staff. Mixon's effort on that fourth and goal touchdown, he fought three unblocked defenders and willed his way into the end zone, and that definitely contributed to this win. Yosivash had two game-saving plays. It was a third and three with less than a minute to go in the fourth quarter, and he gets a short pass, gets some run after the catch, gets a key first down to keep us alive, and eventually set up that tying touchdown. And then lastly, the short yardage stops in overtime. And that was Zach Carter. B.J. Hill had, had his hand in it. Hendrickson, I, I actually looked like Osai in there. I couldn't tell if it was Osai or, or Gaither, but he was in on one of those. But it was Carter firing off the ball on both of those plays. He was the main reason why we stopped those two plays in overtime and a huge contributor into why we won this game and we're still alive. All right, on to Jake Browning. couple quotes. One, never should have cut me. After the touchdown, he screams that into the camera, and I don't blame him. You know, that's a lot of frustration. He said that the way they cut him was a little uncool, and he got his revenge. And then the other quote, which is brings the down-to-earth Jake Browning that we're all falling in love with. I mean, I really like this guy. The fact that he's playing well is obviously the reason why we like everything else about him. But he's pretty cool. He's intelligent. He's cool. I just like the way he presents himself. And he becomes the everyman and says this. I feel like I need a beer. But I'm right off a cramping incident, so I'm probably going to pass on that. I don't know. He's cool. He's got a sense of humor. And the way he's playing, he could say anything and we're all going to eat it up. He found 11 different receivers. I love the spreading the ball around factor. That's the sign of a good quarterback. You're not locking in on one superstar or a couple guys. You're just executing the plays as they're called and executing the playbook. 324 yards passing. 
97 quarterback rating. But you guys know it's not about the stats. What about the resiliency? He shakes off a huge hit by Danielle Hunter early in the game. He had that pass to Chase on that first drive while he's being hit. He had that magical throw to Higgins while he has two guys bearing down on him. Just courage, keeping your eyes downfield, not being afraid of contact. He's been showing it since he's been in the lineup. He throws the perfect corner route to Higgins for a touchdown. And as I said, not an easy route to throw. And to go to that play, the Bengals do trips, my favorite formation. This is trips left, a little bit of a longer throw, you know, throwing across your body as a quarterback. You have Higgins, it's like an arrow. You have Higgins in the middle, and you have two guys behind him. Higgins runs the corner. The other two guys just run turnarounds, one of them being Jamar Chase. He occupies two guys. Higgins by himself in the corner. Perfect pass by Browning. Just sensational football. He has the third and nine pass to Boyd in overtime. He's rolling right. He's in trouble. He gets it off perfectly to a scrambling wide receiver. Boyd does the rest on that. And then you see the calmness in the pocket. I've mentioned this a couple episodes in a row. Calm in the pocket, great movement in the pocket, great footwork. Poise, performing under pressure. The last drive of the fourth quarter is so... If you're if you're not mentally stable and mentally prepared, you're not going to execute in those moments. He does it in the last drive of the fourth quarter. He does it in the overtime winning drive. The interception by him was a bad ball. Everyone's going to have him. I like his reaction. He was kind of mad at himself, but not frustrated to the point where he wasn't going to be functional after that. It was like, ah, you saw it. He was like, oh, man, can't believe I did that. And lastly, I did think the pass to Jones was catchable. Not perfect but catchable. Jake Browning, thank you for what you're doing. You're playing so freaking well. All right, so let's talk about the rest of the offense. Higgins, obviously that massive catch, the once-in-a-lifetime play. He had multiple times in the game where he high points the ball like a lot of other receivers cannot do, and he runs those great routes. He had that corner route that we just talked about for the touchdown, and right before halftime, he had that big leaping catch that eventually was ruled incomplete, but still a great play. Great player, great game by T. Higgins. Great game in a clutch moment when we needed it, just like the Super Bowl. I'll say it ten times if I have to. I just want everyone to want to keep that guy around. Jamar Chase had four catches on the day. Three of them were for first downs. That third and 21 catch in the fourth quarter that he got hurt on was so key to this game and just showing you how electric and magical of a player that he is. Tyler Boyd didn't lose his cool when he wasn't targeted. He had one catch for eight yards, I think. And then he makes this amazing catch and run for 44 yards in overtime. So the stat line still looks good for him, you know, which adds to your wallet. But the contribution to the win is more important, and he did just that. Thank you, Tyler Boyd, once again. We talked about the game that Yosibosh had with that huge conversion on a third and three, which I thought saved the game as well. There were so many plays that saved the game. And, of course, he has the other one... DJ Turner got thrown into Charlie Jones and the punt is fumbled and just bouncing on the ground and Yosivash is the first man there to recover it. So two massive plays by him. Mixing lots of unsung, tough running all game. And of course that fourth and goal from the shotgun with three unblocked defenders. That's just playing hero ball, my friend. Chase Brown, our second half of the season, secret weapon, deadly receiving out of the backfield. Tanner Hudson making the important catches, making himself millions of dollars over the last month or two. And, of course, he had two big catches to set up that first touchdown. 
Wilcox had another big catch and run at a key moment late in the game. The offensive line has been intact for all 14 games, and there's only been a couple lines in the league that have done that, so credit to their resiliency and their health. Volson has been playing so well recently. I thought he played great this game. He's always downfield blocking. He's got the young legs, the fresh legs, and I just think his career is on the rise. I think everyone else played pretty well, even though there were four sacks, not a lot of huge holes in the run game. The offensive line played well enough to keep Jake Browning alive and to contribute to a win. Defensively, B.J. Hill, every week I'm talking about how well he plays. He has just been a positive, an amazing player for us. He gets another interception. He was in on those short yardage stands. He's a guy that plays upfield. So in addition to rushing the passer, being stout against the run, he's hustling back upfield. So when guys get behind him, he's coming from the back. So if if you're a wide receiver on a, a seven, eight-yard play and you're kind of dancing out there, be prepared because that guy's coming from behind to just destroy you. Hendrickson, one and a half sacks. He's up to 15, I believe. He had the flag on the pick six that we talked about, but he is just our defensive MVP. Miles Murphy, a couple good games in a row. This was his best game. He beats Darisaw for a sack, and that's a good tackle that he beats. He has four tackles in this game. Miles, if the light comes on for you, we're going to be a deadly team. Please, my friend, just keep it going. We need you. We need you not only this year, we need you to pan out for the long run. We talked about Tupo and Carter, and I have full faith in those guys. And like I said, Carter really saved the game on those third and inches and fourth and inches by firing off the ball more quickly than the offensive line and any other defensive line player. Cam Sample still battling the knee injury, but he was active in this game, had a couple pressures. Another guy that plays upfield, like I was saying, like B.J. Hill. You know, he's hustling to the ball. So if you're going to dance around after you catch a ball in the defensive backfield, look out because he's going to come to clean your clock as well. Excellent rotational player. I say this about him all the time, but he's one of those guys. He's not going to be at the top of the stat sheet. He's not going to be on ESPN highlights, but he's a guy that you need in your locker room and on the field. Sam Hubbard, a couple quiet games in a row, but I have no complaints with Sam Hubbard. He's done so many good things for this organization and played electrically in most of the games that he's been out there. Just last two games, I haven't seen as much from him as normal, but some of it is unsung. You know, some of it's occupying a block so someone else can make a tackle. Some of it is, you know, penetration and sealing off the edge so they don't run around the end. It's not always about tackles and stats, but he just hasn't had a lot of wow plays over the last couple weeks. But he did have a nice fourth quarter pressure that contributed to that Pratt interception that got called back. But that was on Hubbard there. So that would have been a big splash play had that play counted. And speaking of Jermaine Pratt, 12 tackles. Every game it's double digits for this guy. He got a half a sack on that speed blitz where he came in like like he was running a 4-3-40. Perfect execution. Goes right into an unoccupied gap. Destroys the quarterback. This guy is playing so well. He had a big fourth quarter tackle for a loss. He had a big overtime tackle for a loss. He had the pick six if it would have counted. He's not going to make the Pro Bowl. I say this every episode, and it is such an injustice because you tell me three linebackers that are playing better than him right now. He's not. He doesn't have the big name, but he just contributes on a regular basis, and he almost had another one of those G-money plays this game with that pick six. And Mike Hilton, I mean, he has the key interception at the goal line. He had a second interception, but battled, banged into him. He didn't get it. 
Hilton just plays like no other slot corner. He just has the uncanny ability to read, diagnose, and react and get in there in the backfield. Big on run blitzes. He had a big tackle on a run blitz. He's a smaller guy, but no problem tackling tight ends and big running backs and big receivers. Just a, a, a real unsung superstar, and uh, I'm glad to have him aboard. You can't let this guy leave the building either. And although he's a veteran, it seems like he's got a lot left in the tank. And battle, 10 tackles, another one. He's a tackling machine, just like Pratt. He's a great hitter, great tackler. He did lose contain on a big fourth quarter play, and he's done that a couple times this year, but that'll get fixed with experience. But as far as him being around the ball, being active, sticking his nose in there, and being a tackler and a hitter, you can't ask for anything more in a strong safety. Special teams, McPherson with the game-tying extra point, the game-winning field goal, another guy who just continually plays hero ball. Brad Robbins had a mediocre punt early, and it's so weird. When you're listening to the game, you can hear a female voice right after it, like the field camera must have picked her up amongst, you know, 50,000, 60,000 screaming people. The field camera picks her up, and you hear her say, Robbins, you suck! But you know what? He didn't suck because he had a great punt in overtime to the 30-yard line. And that's what I've seen out of him. He's had some frustrating punts. He is a rookie. But he's had some punts in big moments that have really been effective and well done. So he's another guy. He's performing well when it counts. Now we want to see a little more consistency. But hopefully as his career marches on, we'll see that. And then when DJ Ivey went out, you had Nick Scott replacing him at Gunner. That's just more of a transactional thing. I just wanted you guys to know that it's going to probably be Nick Scott and Yosivash as the two gunners moving forward. So that's it. Breathtaking game. Breathtaking win. I can't get enough of this team. We're still alive when we thought we weren't. you know. And here we are late December. We're going to be alive until the season ends, and that's all you can ask for. The last thing you want is to have meaningless games in November and December and we've been down that road in years past, and this year that is not happening. And if we make it to the dance, we have the roster to do some damage. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so a quick preview against the upcoming game against the Steelers. We talk about the coaches. Mike Tomlin, one of my most hated people in the NFL. We've talked about that before. Just done a lot of unscrupulous things, although he is a Hall of Fame coach, and I'm not going to argue with that. Terrell Austin, defensive coordinator, excellent coordinator, has that defense really carrying that team. Eddie Faulkner has taken over as the interim offensive coordinator. He was the running backs coach 
as you know, they fired Matt Canada midseason. Steelers, points for 28th in the league, 16 points a game. Points against, 10th in the league, letting up 20 points a game. So there you go. Let that carry out. Bengals 2016, that would be nice. Just for the record, the Bengals are 14th in points scored at 22 and 20th at points let up with 22. So if it goes that way, it's a 22-22 tie. We certainly don't want that. So we'll root more for the 2016 thing. All right, offensively, Mason Rudolph comes into the starting lineup. And I don't know who's going to be hurt for this game because I record this early in the week. So if any guys that I'm mentioning end up going out for the week, don't blame me for it. I'm just going on the information that I have at this moment. But Mason Rudolph is replacing an ineffective Mitch Trubisky, who's replacing an injured Kenny Pickett. Those guys are scrambling at the quarterback position, and I could not be happier. Let them suffer in quarterback purgatory for years. Eventually that defense will come down to earth, and this will be a mediocre team for a decade if, if I get my wishes. And that's it, Pittsburgh. Be a 500 team every year. So you're not picking at the top of the draft and you can't fix your quarterback position. Yeah, I sound so evil, but man, come on. You guys hate the Steelers just as much as I do. We respect them, but we hate them. So Mason Rudolph at quarterback, good luck, my friend. I mean, that's a plus for us. A guy that, whether he's better or worse than anybody that they have, he was the third-string guy. And when you have a coaching staff that sees you every day and you're the third-string guy, you're that guy for a reason. So we're getting their third choice at quarterback. And with that said, and everything on the line, this is a must-win for us. I mean, everything's a must-win, but this is a should-win for us. You have Jalen Warren, who's now the starter over Najee Harris, and with good reason. He's just outproducing him, and he's more dangerous. But you got to watch Warren out of the backfield, just like a Chase Brown. You have to watch Harris in between the tackles, especially with Reader out. So they're definitely two threats. I think Warren more so. But that's a nice two-headed monster at running back that can do some damage. Receivers, just the main three. You have Pickens, who's on the verge of being a star if he has someone to throw to him. Deontay Johnson, just a punk but can still beat you and don't let him go deep on you. And Allen Robinson, definitely a threat as their number three coming out of the slot a lot of the times. Fryermuth killed us last game, so he's going to be a big threat, especially to a quarterback like Rudolph who's you know looking to check down and not having the the courage to go deep or maybe not having the time to go deep. So Fryermuth is something that we really have to watch this game. And then you have Washington as the other tight end who's more of a blocker, but you know you get him the ball in space and he can bowl over your smaller DBs. Offensive line, Dan Moore left tackle, Isaac Suamalo left guard, probably their best lineman, Mason Cole at center, James Daniels, love him or hate him, up and down player at right guard, and Broderick Jones at right tackle. Not that impressive of an offensive line. And with that said, let's go to the keys for us when we're on defense. Hendrickson on Dan Moore. Especially Hendrickson with a fire to burn. He could be a big game breaker in this game. They're going to have to double up on that. They're going to have to help out Dan Moore with Hendrickson. But if Hendrickson can continuously win that battle, we're going to cause Mason Rudolph to throw interceptions, to strip sacks, the whole deal. I think that's the biggest matchup when we're on defense and they're on offense. Second key is you have to watch Jalen Warren out of the backfield. Third key is you have to watch Rudolph, as I mentioned, relying on Fryermuth. So Fryermuth might be the focus of your secondary, more so than the other guys. And then another key is Zach Carter, 
Tupo and Tufele filling in for Reader. If they can do that by committee and be productive and not let the Steelers light you up, you know, running the ball up the middle, then we're going to be in good shape. And then lastly, Rudolph scrambling, trying to get away from Hendrickson, just trying to use his legs when his arm isn't working. That's something else you have to be on the lookout for. I'm not going to say spy him like you would have to with Lamar Jackson, but I'm just going to say don't have a third and nine and forget about him and let him go for ten. Steelers defense deadly against the pass and against the run. Highsmith, Hayward, Ogunjobi, Watt. That's their formation against passing downs. Keanu Benton comes in at nose tackle in running situation, and he's having a great year. So all five of those guys are exceptional. Probably the strength of this team and a big factor in this game. We have to protect Jake Browning. We have to let Mixon have some holes to run through. Linebacker, you have Walker and Landon Roberts. Roberts having a good year. Walker, not as much. Linebackers that I'm not really fearing that much. Roberts is also battling injury. It appears that Minka's going to play this game after having an injury-riddled season. And they're going to have Trenton Thompson in there in place of KZ, who was suspended for the rest of the season for dirty play. Wow, can you really imagine that? A Steeler suspended for dirty play? Corners, you have Patrick Peterson on one side, still a productive player, not what he used to be. You have Joey Porter Jr. on the other side playing very well. You have Sullivan in the slot, a little more vulnerable. Keys to the game when we're on offense. you got to worry about that defensive line. You can't just assume that we're going to block them one-on-one. T.J. Watt owns Jonah Williams, unfortunately, so we're going to have to go with quick passes, helping out Jonah, moving the pocket, keeping Browning on the move, getting the ball out quick. I think if Chase doesn't play, we're going to need step-up games from Irwin and Yosivash, and I think they're up for the task. I like Boyd against Sullivan, especially Boyd not getting a lot of passes last game and then having the huge play in overtime. His adrenaline's pumping, the arrow's pointing up there, and this is a game where you can probably get a lot of mileage out of him, especially if you have a weak slot, one weak safety, and a weak linebacker. It feels like this could be a Tyler Boyd game, so I'd be factoring him into the game plan heavily if I was Coach Taylor. And with that said, also Tanner Hudson against Walker and Trenton Thompson. I think he has the edge there. So I don't know. If Chase is out, they're going to be all over Higgins with double teams. So this is a Tyler Boyd game. This is a Tanner Hudson game. This is a Yosivash Irwin game, possibly. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I think those guys are key to this game. And then no turnovers. I know that goes for any game, but the Steelers have really made a living this season out of having big defensive turnovers for scores or for changes in field position and extra possessions. And they're a team that, if you don't give them freebies like that, they don't have the skill to beat you on offense. So even a grind-out game, you know, 7-3, you know, we're looking like we can't do anything on offense. Just stay the course. Don't force it. Don't make stupid turnovers and don't play hero ball and I think you'll just outlast them because we have the better team our offense is more powerful and we're the ones that are going to be moving on and we're the ones that are going to be eliminating the Pittsburgh Steelers final score it's going to be low scoring because of that defense and because they can't score 20 to 13 Cincinnati Bengals playoff hopes alive buckle up Kansas City We're coming for you. That'll do it for this episode. 
I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.